morning. We're starting a new series today on the book of Psalms. My dad asked me to, uh, uh, to get this series started off today because he's downstairs right now teaching our Discover New Hope class. He's very committed all the time. Every time there's a, a new members class or a Discover New Hope class, he says, I'm going to teach the first one. Um, in the, and I'm glad he gets to do that. So I'm going to uh, get this series started today. The book of Psalms. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead. We're going to start at the very beginning. I'm going to spend about 10 minutes on each chapter, and we'll be out of here uh, about 11 tomorrow. There's 150 chapters in uh, the book of Psalms. I'm not going to go over all of them, but I kind of am. This is going to be a big o- overview today. So, so there's, a, there's an introduction in Psalms, and then there's five books. The, all the Psalms are put together in, in books, and then there's a conclusion. And so that makes seven weeks. We're going to spend seven weeks on the book of Psalms. I have a cousin who's a very gifted musician. Um, he's a producer, music producer. Uh, his name's in some of the credits you may have heard if you listen to the WBCL, his name's in some of those CD jackets if you get it. Uh, but he told me one time, uh, he was having a really hard time with some stuff in his life, and he says, Adam, I feel, I, th- I think I feel more than other people feel. I said, yeah, you probably do. So it's like, like other people would hurt, but I feel like I'm hurting more than normal people. I was like, you probably are. He said, man, it sure stinks being a musician. But boy, does it help me write some good songs. (laughs) And I thought that was funny. He has a really unique, unique gift. He has a way of getting his songs, and he writes words that help other people express what they didn't know how to express. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a musician do that? Um, maybe uh, one example might be Stevie Wonder. You know, if it, by the way, if you're sitting next to a loved one, just reach over, grab their hand. You're going to be glad you did. Stevie Wonder wrote lyrics like this. Just as time knew to move on since the beginning, and the seasons know exactly when to change. Just as kindness knows no shame, know through it all your joe and pain, that I'll be loving you always. Aw, right? Taylor Swift did the same thing. She, she, wrote, she wrote a lyric to help her fellow millennials figure out and identify with their place in the world right now. When she wrote, our coming of age has come and gone. There's been a lot of millennials that really identify with that. They didn't know what they were feeling, but then when Taylor Swift wrote it, they go, yeah! Yeah. Billy Joel did the same thing for the baby boomers. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. Do you know what the words to the, to the verse are, verse is? Everyone knows the lyrics. It goes like this. Marilyn Monroe. We know, the, we know those lyrics. The Psalms are like that for the Christian. They help us understand what our heart wants to say to God. It gives us words to express what we didn't know how to express. See, see, Psalms is unlike most other books in the Bible. Many of these other books of the Bible are God's word to us. It's God speaking to us. The Psalms is prophetic. It is God speaking to us, but what's written is our words to God. 
It's, it's inspired by God, but it's a kind of a cue card, a little cheat sheet for us to enter into a relationship with God. They help us express things to God that we don't know how to express. Here's a quote from my study Bible. The Psalms instruct us in a myriad of ways about how to worship God. They teach us how to sing, dance, rejoice, give thanks, confess sin, grieve, express anger, make requests to God, proclaim God's name and name far and wide and much, much more. And all of the Psalms, people can categorize them in different ways, but I think the, the big overarching categorization that you can find in the book of Psalms is laments, like lamenting over the fact that life is hard sometimes. Oh, why did that happen? Oh, why are my enemies against me? And praise, praising God for being faithful through it all. Lamenting and praise. So the psalmist laments, why did this happen? We can join him. Things happen that are hard. The psalmist praises God, we can join him. Those words can become our words. His prayers become our prayers. The form of the book of Psalms is 150 chapters. I mentioned this. There's five books in it. They've, they've compiled them up into five sections inside this book. There's a conclusion and there's an introduction. And the introduction of the book of Psalms is chapters 1 and chapter 2. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, that's what we're going to talk about today, there's two big ideas. The name of this message is actually Two Big Ideas. It wasn't that creative. Two big ideas. Here's the first big idea, and it's in Psalm 1, but this big idea happens over and over and over again throughout the book of Psalms. You're blessed if you remain rooted in God's word. Can we say that together? You're blessed if you remain rooted in God's word. Open up your Bible to Psalms chapter 1. This is the first of the two main themes of the whole book of Psalms. And the first, first bit I'm, I'm going to go over is, is uh, we're just going to read the whole chapter, actually. But, but here's the first point. Uprooting yourself is a slippery slope. Uprooting yourself is a very slippery slope. And to understand what we're going to read, I, I just want to point out something. You've got to understand that this is Hebrew poetry. It's poetic. Not Dr. Seuss. Not, the lines don't all rhyme. But it's poetic. And in Hebrew poetry, there was two two characteristics that were really common in Hebrew poetry. One was short lines, just short lines, and parallel lines, lines that go together. There's two types of parallelism. Synonymous parallelism, they mean the same thing. So that would be like, like I'm making this up, this, I'm not quoting a psalm, but it, it'd be something like, like, the wicked will not rise, nor the sinners be strengthened. That's really the same thing. The wicked won't rise and the sinners won't be strengthened. But there's also contrasting parallelism. The lines mean different things. So uh, something like, like, those who are evil will, blah, 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 but those who hope in the Lord will. Blah, blah, blah. So it's contrast. I used to blow through some of the Psalms once I learned about the parallel, or before I learned about the parallelism and the value of that, because I'm like, the second line says the same thing. So like, I can get through English class this way. I can just read the first line. I'm going to get through this quicker, man. This is great. But the parallelism, 
isn't just taking up extra space. It's not just extra words. Those words are important. We shouldn't skip over them. Uh, it's, it's God's word, right? So, so don't, don't ignore them. The second line brings clarity to the first line. It maybe narrows the focus of the first line. And there's, there's valuable information in the second line. So uh, that, that's important to understand uh, parallelism when we're looking at Psalms. Here's Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to see the parallelism here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And you can see there's three lines. Yeah, there's three lines. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So there's actually three parallel lines here. Each line's pretty much saying the same thing. So let's just save some time and realize that blessed is one who does not walk in step with the wicked. That's enough. What do we need the second and third line for? Here's why. Uh, there's parallelism. Look at the differences. Can we just emphasize the differences of the verbs? Go on to the next one there. I think there's three verbs. Yeah, there we go. We can see it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Uprooting yourself is a slippery slope. You see, it's real easy. Like, we're all going to do it later today. If you go to Walmart or Kroger, you're going to walk in step with the wicked. There's some wicked people at Kroger. I mean, I'm not, like, criticizing Kroger, but there's wicked people everywhere you go. There's going to be a, you're going to go to the mall, you're going to go anywhere you go. You're going to go on the road. You're going to be driving in step with the wicked. It's real easy just to start that way. I'm just, I'm just going to work with the wicked. Blessed are those that don't walk in step with the wicked. Or if you do that, then it's easier just to stand around the water cooler with the wicked, to stand in the, in the presence. Can you put the verse back up? Because I'm, I'm, I'm referring to it. Yeah, keep the, yeah. Blessed, so blessed is one that doesn't walk in step with the wicked. It's easy to walk. We're all going to walk in step with the wicked once in a while. But if we're not careful, we're going to start a slippery slope and just stand in the presence. So we're going to stand in the way that sinners take. We're just going to stand around with them. And if we're comfortable with that, next thing we know, we're going to be sitting with them and being the evil wicked ourselves. Uprooting yourself from God's word is a slippery, slippery slope. Here's the second point. We're going to see it in the next two verses. The rooted are fruited. The Psalms don't all rhyme, but this guy can. The rooted are fruited. I found a website that helped me rhyme words. Can you believe it? I put in purple, but nothing, just like error message. The rooted are fruited. Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here we see the person who's rooted in scripture, the person who's thinking about what God says first, that person is compared to a tree that's nourished by a river. How many know if a tree's by a river, it's not pulling that thing down. That tree's gonna, gonna last. I have a um, Japanese maple on my side yard. And it's one of those trees where, like, it's like a quasi-bush. And so 
like the, the what do you call the main part of the tree? Trunk, thanks. It's got a couple, couple kind of trunks that come up. And it's one of those trees where down low, it'll just spurt out a bunch of leaves. And it starts to look like a bush. And I, di- I didn't want to fashion this tree that way. I want the leaves to start here. And so, you know, it's, this is the season when all those leaves are popping up on the trunk. And my son was out there with me, and I was like, hey, Caleb, you've got to watch this. I'm going to teach you something. If you don't pull these off now when they're just little leaves, they're going to grow and become big, ugly branches down here, and we don't want that. So we're going to pull these down, pull these off. And he helped me pull off a few. I taught my son how to take care of a tree. I was pretty proud of myself. The next day, he taught his sister the same thing, left out a few important details. And he and his sister both climbed up into that tree. I come around the corner and see a big old pile of leaves on the ground. I thought, oh, no no more. No more. Only up to here is what I, this is where I want. I had to explain what I wanted. And they're like, oh, we didn't know. I was like, okay, you're right. You didn't know. I didn't, I mean, I told you to help me and didn't specify how. I'm not too worried about that tree. That tree's been there 20-something, 25 years. It's got a good root system. I've pruned it three or four times. It has got roots that go down. I'm not worried about that tree. It's going to be just fine. It's a little ugly this year, but it'll be just fine (laughs) next year. Because it's got roots. And the roots are going to flourish the rest of it. I'm not too worried about my kids. I mean, I'm concerned about them. I pray for them. But I'm so thankful to be in in a church like this one that is helping me dig the right hole and provide the right soil for my kids' roots to go deep. I'm not a super parent here. I just got to tell you a story. So um, I took my daughter on a date the other day, and, uh, and, and she had bows in her hair and everything. And I said, Elizabeth, do you know what do you have to have to have true beauty? And I just figured, you know, Jesus was the answer I was looking for. What do you have to have to have true beauty? And she looks up at me and says, a heart full of love. And I'm like, yeah. Now, we're not super parents. We're not super parents. Our kids probably watch too much TV just like yours do. But they were watching Right Now Media, and that's where she got it. Because the right thing was on, the right roots. I'm so glad our church provides Right Now Media for my family. Because the right stuff was getting into her. And I know she got that line from some really cheesy princess show she likes to watch. It's a heart full of love is where true beauty cannot be erased. She's right. She's right. The rooted are fruited. The ground I plant my kids in will affect them greatly. And the location of your roots matter too. Our actions and behavior are a natural result of our roots supply. What's your supply? You have roots. Without exception, we have roots. What's your supply? A fresh river or rancid swamp water? John 15, five and six says it like this. I'm the vine, this is Jesus talking. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. We need to be rooted 
In who? Jesus. In Jesus. This is his word. If you want to know Jesus, read the book he gave you. Luke 6.45, Jesus taught us. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Where are you rooted? Is your root supply a fresh water, a fresh river, like Psalms is describing, or is it rancid swamp water? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you scrolling through? What are you surfing? Are you numbing your pain instead of taking it to Jesus? If your supply is rancid swamp water, you need a, what's it called when they pick up a tree and put it somewhere else? You need a transplant. And you can transplant your roots. Just put down the magazine and pick up this, right? Okay. Third part in Psalm chapter 1 is this. The wicked are afflicted. The wicked are afflicted. Psalm 1, 4 through 6. But not the wicked. That's in, that's in uh, contrast to the previous verse that says, says the one that's rooted in Scripture is blessed. They flourish like a tree. Everything they do prospers, but not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the pain, the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. What an artistic, aesthetic image. We just heard about the righteous is compared to what? The one who listens to the words of God is compared to a tree with roots. And the wicked is just the leftover pieces of a plant, chaff. So in the winnowing process, they would throw up the, the wheat and just the lightest breeze doesn't even matter, just, just pulls out the junk. According to Psalms, the wicked are like that. This is a really common theme in Psalms that we're seeing. <clears throat> there's two ways. There's God's way. There's the wicked way. Following God's way is better. Very common theme in Psalms over and over again. Following God's way is better. That's why we think about what God says to us. So how do we know the difference? By meditating on God's teaching. We need to fill our life with more of him and be rooted next to the river of life. So that's the first big idea in all of Psalms, and it's summarized in, in the introduction in chapter one. You're blessed if you remain rooted in God's word. You're blessed if you remain rooted in God's word. As we look at Psalms throughout the next several weeks, I think you're going to see that a few times. That's a main theme. You're blessed if you re remain rooted in God's word. Here's the second big idea of the Psalms, and it's in the introduction of Psalms in chapter 2. You're blessed when you take refuge in the king. You're blessed when you take refuge in the king. Um, books 1 and 2, uh, there might be an exception, but I think the entire books 1 and 2 are written by David, King David. And the other books are written by some other, other people, and David's in a few of those. Um, 
in, when we're reading scripture, especially prophecy, it's important to realize like there was a right now application, but it, it doesn't. It, it, but if it only applied for right then, for David, for what David was saying, then then this book is worthless. Why are we talking about it? It doesn't. You see, all scripture is inspired by God, and useful for teaching. So, all scripture it, it it's passed forward till today. And so we're going to look at. There's actually different fulfillments that that occur in. Uh, in, in Psalms. Okay, so we're going to look at it. Here's, here's number one. The nations rebel against God. The nations rebel against God. Here it is in the, uh, the first three verses of Psalm chapter two. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free, our, free ourselves from slavery to God. The nations rebel against God. See, the first fulfillment of this, what David had to have been initially thinking, right? And he was inspired by God when he wrote it, but there was a, like his context, his life applied to what he was, he was writing about. So he was referring to the nations around him, like he's king of a nation, the nations around him rebelling against God. That was the first fulfillment. There was a later fulfillment. Nations rebelled against God and King Solomon and other kings after that. And today, it still applies. Nations rebel against God and his anointed king. Nations rebel against God and his anointed king. Who's the anointed king? Jesus. Jesus is the anointed king. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the king throughout Psalms. Nations are still rebelling against God, eh? Our nation's still rebelling against God, eh? Rebel. You can't tell me what to do, end quote, I think in some cases defines common American thought. It feels that way to me. But that thinking has no place in the life of a Christian. None. As a Christian who lives as though nobody can tell them what to do isn't confident. That's not good for you. You're confident. That's rebellious. And it's rebellious against God, according to Romans 13. They're living like these nations. The nations rebel against God. We should never look at God and say, you're not my real dad. He's our, he's our real dad. He's our real dad. He can tell you what to do. Can't he? You're getting quiet. He could tell us what to do. And because he could tell us what to do, if we surrender to what he says, he's actually pretty clear that he's allowed some people to tell us what to do. All authority is established through him. I'm going to get like something thrown at me. So. It's in the Bible. Here's the second part of Psalm chapter 2. God affirms his anointed. God affirms his anointed. Watch it. You're going to see it here. Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. So the nations rebel against God, but God affirmed the anointed. 4 through 9. Uh, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. 
I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. That happened in 1 Samuel chapter 7. There's a bond between God and, and the, the kings, his, the anointed kings. Verse 8. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. The first fulfillment of this, right? David was writing it. And he said, you said to me, you're my son. Today I've become your father. I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Who was the king that God installed on Zion? King David. That was the king that God installed on Mount Zion. That was the first fulfillment. But David didn't take the whole earth. David didn't, he didn't even build the temple. There was a later fulfillment. God installed Solomon as king. And Solomon claimed a lot of the earth. The kingdom expanded, but not all of it, like this passage says was going to happen. See, God's promise to David, God's agreement with the anointed kings of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 7 was to be close with him. He said, I'm your father, you're my son. So all the sons of David were also sons of God in position. There was a close bond between God and his anointed, God and his anointed kings. And that foreshadowed the later fulfillment. God's great rescue plan. From, the, from Genesis, God had a great rescue plan to come and save us through Jesus dying on the cross so we can be redeemed to him. God installed Jesus as the forever king. My study Bible says it like this. Jesus, the son of God and son of David, embodies and fulfills the promises of the psalm, which are rooted in the promises God gave to Abraham and David concerning the blessings he would give their descendants, and through them, all people. Here's the last bit, and this is how Psalm chapter 2 closes out, verses 10 and 12. I'll read it now, verses 10 and 12. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. That's not like, uh, that's like, you know, pay pay homage to the king. Pay homage to the king. There's a king. So that's what that's referring to. Kiss his son. Kiss the king is what that's referring to. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath. Can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's that big idea. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in the king. Here's the third, third part of um, Psalm chapter 2. For a better eternity, see the king for security. <laughs> Thank you. Gotta have be a, we're in Psalms. I have to have some poet, poeticness, right? For a better eternity, see the king for security. The first fulfillment of this is serve God. Kiss King David. Pay homage to King David. Pay homage to the king. The later fulfillment was serve God. Kiss King Solomon. Pay homage to the king. Today's fulfillment, serve God. Pay homage to the king. King Jesus. That's the second big idea. You're blessed when you take refuge in the king. I believe the Lord wants us to take refuge in him today. Refuge means safety 
and security. Life is hard sometimes. David had some very difficult times in his life. And we see how, just how hard they were as he wrote those lyrics for us. Life is very hard sometimes. So what do we do? We take refuge in King Jesus. If things are hard, you need refuge. It doesn't make problems disappear. Seeking refuge in the king doesn't make problems disappear. But it keeps you there to deal with them. And never alone. You're blessed when you take refuge in Jesus. You're blessed that way. If you have bills you can't pay, find security in Jesus. Take, take refuge in Jesus. It doesn't make bills go away, but you, you have a place for security. Marriage you keep struggling with, find refuge in Jesus. You'll be blessed. It doesn't make your marriage automatically fixed, but there's security there. We take refuge in the king. Mean people talking about you behind your back, find security in Jesus. Health issues you struggle with, find security in Jesus. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask some prayer partners to come forward right now. And just kind of stand up here, find a spot. Because I want to give you a chance to take refuge in King Jesus. What's going on in your life that you need to find the security for? The Bible tells us to pray for one another so that we can be healed, right? We're to ask people to pray for us, so we're going to make time for it right now. We're, the, as The band's going to sing a song in just a second, and I want to encourage you, whatever's going on in your life, and you want to seek refuge to the king, run to him for security, I encourage you to come up and ask one of these prayer partners to pray for you. Just tell them what's going on real brief, and they'll pray for you. And I believe the Lord's going to meet you where you are today. Specifically, I believe God wants to heal bodies in the area of joint pain. Um, like, like a wrist or an elbow, something hurts when you move. I think God wants to bring some healing to that area. Um, the worst thing that happens is you walk away the same. If you want to give Jesus a chance, I encourage you, as we sing this last song, uh, come up and get prayed for Let's worship the Lord.